like to take a moment to acknowledge our veterans. Today is a special day. It's Veterans Day, and we have many in our church and connected to our church who, who have served our country, uh, and so we want to acknowledge you. If you are a retired, active duty, uh, or reserve military, would you stand for a moment and let us express our appreciation to you for your service? Thank you. Amen. One day a year is too few, so make sure you make it a point to honor and show respect to our servicemen and women uh, every day of the year and as you have opportunity. Well, we're, uh, we've turned a corner. We're in the second half of our sermon series, Go and Be, and uh, we actually started this series maybe nine weeks ago with a series titled, Come and See. And come and see became the natural uh, prelude to go and be. As we come and see Jesus, we go and be Jesus to the world around us. As we come and see our Savior and come to understand his great love for us and the vision that he has for our lives, then we have a responsibility to go and be his hands and feet in the world around us. So we've been uh, looking at different ways that we can do that by going and being Christ-like, by going and being kind, which is what we looked at last week. And uh, this idea that we picked up from the story of David and Mephibosheth, where David says, is there no one of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? He was intentional and he was focused on showing the kindness of God to others. And we must be the same. We must be a people who are looking for those to whom we can show God's kindness. And I touched on this last week, but I want to revisit it this week, that, that it's go and be. It's not go and do. And last week was a good example of that. It's not go and do kind things. It's go and be kind. You see, Christianity is a relationship. It's a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just a religion of do more, try harder, do more, try harder, do more, try harder. It's, it's be transformed in a relationship with Jesus Christ as you come to faith in him, as you realize who he says that you are, which we sang about in the second song today, that we are who he says we are. And that is a transforming relationship with him that we can go and be his hands and feet go and be transformed in the world around us and find our greatest joy in the service of others, in the service of our God and in the service of others going and being kind. Well, this week we're going to talk about go and be different. Go and be different. And what do I mean by go and be different? Well, I mean a couple of things. There's really two main reasons or two main uh, applications of that that we'll look at today. The first is to go and be set apart or go and be holy. Go and be the called out people of God that, that we would be different from the world around us to some degree. And the second is that we would go and be different, that we would go and be changing, that, that change would be progressive, that we would be different in a year than we are today because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, because of the time that we spend in his word, because of the time that we spend in prayer and in fellowship and in serving other people, that that would be changing us and we would be different today than we were a year ago or five years ago, or ten years ago, that, that Christians should not be this static, I'm a Christian and I am this way and this is what I do and, and that's just 
stuck right there. We're dynamic. We're growing. We're growing in our relationship with him. We're growing in grace. We're growing in, in kindness. We're growing in our compassion for the world around us. And we're growing as our priorities change. And we grow in generosity and we grow in gratitude that, that we should be different today than we were a year ago or five years ago. And this fits in with our mission statement. We've been talking about this mission statement uh, as we've been talking and focusing on it, that our mission here at Linwood is to reach people for Christ, to give them a place to belong, and to help them grow in their faith. And so this week we're kind of looking at that last phrase, that we would be helping people grow in their faith and growing people change, that part of growth is change, that something that's growing is changing over time. Just as you can observe a tree or a plant, it's changing as it grows. We as believers in Christ should be growing and we should be changing as a result of that. Our scripture for today is 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you've got one of the uh, NIV Bibles that are in the seats, uh, right under the seats, you can pick one of those up. We're on page 1887. And uh, 1 Peter is, is referring to a letter that Peter wrote uh, fairly broadly to the Christian church in the first century. And so Peter, the disciple of Jesus Christ, is the author of this letter. Uh, Many of the letters in the New Testament are written by Paul. So when we get to Peter or James, uh, it gives us a little different flavor, uh, but it's still God writing through the individual. It's almost like Peter is the pen in God's hand. And God is writing this scripture to the early church and to us today, a couple thousand years later, through the life and through the personality and through the lens of Peter. Peter who denied Jesus three times and then was restored and then became the first pope and the first leader of the Christian church in Jerusalem. This is the Peter that we're talking about. This is the Peter who's addressing us today, 2,000 years later, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And here's what Peter says in verses 13 through 16. He says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given when the, given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy." So remember, we're talking about being different. We're talking about being set apart. And I said there were two meanings. And the first meaning of that idea of go and be different is that we should be different from non-believers. We should be different even from new believers. We should be different. There should be a difference between somebody who's been living in relationship with Jesus Christ for some time and somebody who doesn't know him. And this seems fairly obvious, but there's enough scripture that points to this idea that we should be holy, that we should be different, that we should be set apart, that it bears repeating and it bears applying to our lives. And so I want to kind of walk back through this and look at each verse and, and see what it's saying specifically to us in regards to this idea that we should be different from non-believers. I think verse 13 is really important. It says, prepare your minds. Prepare your minds. And to me, this means that we should pre-decide how we're going to handle a given situation. We should pre-decide. I had a pastor growing up uh, and, and early in my faith, and he would often say, when, dis- when, when emotion is running high, decision-making power is running low. When emotion is running high, decision-making power is running low. When you're in an argument, emotion is running high, 
And decision-making power is running low. So it makes a lot of sense to predecide what kind of person you want to be, what kind of things you want to say, how, what volume you want to give to your voice before you get into an argument so that you're not thrust into that decision in the moment of the argument. Or maybe in relationships with the opposite sex. When emotion is running high, decision-making is running low. We ought to predecide how we want to be in relationship with people of the opposite sex. Whether you're a teenager or you're dating or you're married, it's better to predecide who you want to be and how you want to act than to wait until the moment and be thrust into a situation where emotion is running high and decision making power is running low. We predecide, and this is called prayer. We can predecide things in prayer. We can make decisions in prayer about who we want to be and how we want to act in given situations in prayer and ask God to give us the strength in the moment to decide as we have predecided to act. We predecide. And that bears the fruit of self-control. Self-control is referenced in this verse as well, that we would be self-controlled. And this is one of the fruit of the Spirit that's referenced in Galatians chapter 5. It means to be calm and collected in spirit, to be temperate, dispassionate, and circumspect. How many of you used dispassionate and circumspect in the last week in your regular vocabulary? Not very many, right? But it's, it's giving us different angles on this idea of being self-controlled, that, that we would be in control of ourselves, that we would be in control of our emotions and our decisions and our thoughts and our actions, that we would be calm and collected, that we would be temperate, that we would have the right frame of mind and that we would predecide how we want to act in given situations. And finally, in verse 13, we set our hope entirely on Christ. And this is important. We set our hope entirely on Christ because we don't want to set it on somebody else and we don't want to set it on ourselves because we will fail ourselves and other people will fail fail us as well. But we set our hope on Jesus Christ who will never fail us. We don't set our hope on a set of circumstances. We don't set our hope on a certain outcome to the prayer that we're praying. We set our hope on the reality of who Jesus Christ is, who he says we are, what he has done for us, and where he is taking us in the relationship that we have with him then verse 14 moves on and this is really the meat of our passage we talk about being different it says as obedient children as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance this is saying be different don't conform to the evil desires that you had when the world was all about you and you listen to one radio station wii fm what's in it for me have you heard of that one where you go through life just looking, how do I get ahead? What's in it for me? How, does I, how do I turn this relationship to benefit me? How do I, how do I, how do I? We don't conform anymore to those evil desires that are centered and focused entirely on us. We've set our hope entirely on Jesus Christ. And as his obedient children, we don't conform to those evil desires anymore. We're different. We break the mold. We don't, we don't offer these lame excuses. Well, that's just part of who I am. Well, Jesus wants to transform the parts of who you were that don't fit into the vision that he has for your life. And so you don't get to say, well, that's just part of who I am. You say, Jesus, this is a part of who I am. I know you want to change it. Would you help me through the power of your Holy Spirit to change and become more and more like you, more and more like your vision 
for my life. Romans 12.2 is one that we often point to in this concept where Paul says, do not be conformed to, the, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you change the way that you think, when you renew your mind, and you don't tell yourself the same old excuses, and you start to seek a new vision for your life, and in your relationship with Jesus Christ, then you find that your mind is renewed. And as your mind is renewed, then your spirit is renewed and your heart is renewed and your actions and behaviors are renewed and changed as obedient children rather than being disobedient or not being a child of God, not living as a child of God. And finally, verse 15 and 16, we're told, just as he who called you is holy, Jesus is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And verse 16 there is referencing a line that comes up a couple times in the Old Testament. And Leviticus is God is giving the law. He's saying, be holy even as I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. And that word holy, it's really important to understand that word means set apart. That's the literal meaning. So when God is talking to the people of Israel, he's saying, you are my chosen people. You are, out of all the nations, you're the nation that I want to reveal myself to, that you will reveal myself to the world. That was the original arrangement. And God said, be holy, be set apart. Don't look just like them. And over and over in the Old Testament, when they go into a new land or they go into a new place, he says, don't marry them. Don't intermix with them. Be set apart, be holy, be set apart, be holy. Because God is set apart. He's not like other gods. He's not like other deities. He's not like other things. He gives and gives and gives and he calls us into relationship with him. He reveals himself to us and says, be holy. Holy, be different, be set apart, because I am holy, and I am different, and I am set apart. Now, in the New Testament, that word holy is hagios, agios, and it means literally set apart. In the Old Testament, it's a little more nuanced. It's the Hebrew word kadosh, and it means, it means to consecrate. And so a lot of times, they'll say, consecrate yourselves before you go into battle. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. Remind yourself that you are different, that you are set apart, that you are in a relationship with the living God. And it means to set apart for special use, for special use, that we have a special purpose that God has for our lives, a special use in his kingdom and in the expansion of his kingdom. And so that's the first the first take on this go and be different, the second flows out of it. The second, you might remember, I said, first we want to be different from non-believers, from those outside of the family of God. But the second is that we want to be different from our former selves. We want to be different from who we were six months ago or a year ago or five years ago. And this is the idea that growing people change, that, that part of our mission statement is to help people grow in their faith, to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ and growing people change, that we would become holier, that we would become more set apart, more set apart for the use of God in this world, more different than the world around us, because it is a transformational experience. Christianity is not a transaction. It's not a transaction where we go and there's one point that we point to and say, okay, that's the point where I became a Christian. I wasn't a Christian before that. I am a Christian now. Everything looks the same, but I've had this transaction. No, Jesus, Jesus said it's transformational. If you follow me, if you follow me, you're going to take up a cross daily. You're going to come after me. You're going to become like me. You're going to be my witnesses in this world. And Jesus is saying that Christianity is a transformational experience. And we call this in theology and in big church words, we call this sanctification. How many of you have ever heard the word sanctification? Do you know what sanctify means? 
It means to make holy or to set apart or to set aside. To sanctify something is the same word. To make holy, to consecrate, to be set apart for God's use. We sanctify ourselves. We sanctify ourselves as we become different from our former selves, as we become more and more like Jesus. Because I know my former self, and my former self wasn't a whole lot like Jesus. But praise God, my current self is more like Jesus than my former self. And not as much like Jesus as my future self. Do you see what I'm talking about here? That there's a process of sanctification that takes place. I love this story that really helped me understand sanctification and justification and glorification, these big church words that we use. And it was, a, it was a man that came and he asked his pastor, he said, would you help me understand glorification and sanctification and justification? What do these words mean and, and how do they relate to me? And he said, well, just imagine a, a little five-year-old boy. Pick your favorite five-year-old boy. If you don't know a five-year-old boy, just imagine Carson. If you've met, met Carson, my little guy, Carson, he's, just, he's the perfect five-year-old boy for this illustration. This perfect five-year-old boy has brand new light khaki pants on Easter, right? And he goes to church on Easter Sunday, and on the way home from church, he sees this big mud puddle, and it's just so beautiful, and he just jumps in that mud puddle, and he jumps up and down in the mud puddle, and he what? He ruins his beautiful, fresh, brand new, clean light khaki pants and he takes them to mom with a little bit of shame and mom takes them off she puts them in the washing machine she puts a little bit of soap in there and she washes them and come out of the washer and they're clean right no more mud on the light khaki pants that's justification that's justification it's just as if it hadn't happened he's pants are made clean and so I said, okay, yeah, I got, I got justification, Pastor, but, but what about sanctification? Well, sanctification is next Easter when he's wearing those pants, and he's now six years old, and he sees the mud puddle. He decides not to jump in the mud puddle. That's the process of sanctification, okay? So he's made a choice. He understands the consequences of jumping in the mud puddle, that, that something is going to have to take place in order to make it clean again, and he chooses not to jump into the mud puddle. That's the process of sanctification. Guys, okay. Well, what's glorification? Pastor Smiles said, glorification is a world without mud puddles. And that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. Because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, he has invited us to experience justification, to experience the cleansing and the washing and the, the transformation that takes place. And... He has invited us on the process of sanctification where we become different, we become more like him, we become more and more his child, and we make better decisions, we make better choices, and we walk past the mud puddles, all on our way to that glorious reality that he has invited us to be a part of for eternity where we live in a world where there is no sin, there is no death, there is no sorrow, there are no tears. And that's the invitation. And if you're here today and you've never reached out and taken that first step, you've never reached out and admitted your need for a Savior, admitted that your sin has separated you from God, then today can be the day of your salvation. The day can be the day where you step into a relationship with Him, where He makes you clean, where His blood washes our sins away. And we can be made whiter than snow. We can be made clean. We can be justified before God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've done that, 
but you haven't been all that intentional about pursuing sanctification, pursuing holiness, pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ that transforms you from the inside out and, and makes it so that, that sin and the mud puddles of life, whatever they may be for you, become less and less appealing, then you have an opportunity to reach out and take his hand and follow him into a relationship where sin becomes less and less appealing. And where you spend more and more time with him and growing in that relationship and transforming in that relationship. Because we should be different. We should be different than our former selves. We should be different today than we were at some point in the past. We should increasingly act as if the gospel is true. As if the gospel that Jesus loves you and that he died for you to pay the penalty for your sins and to usher you into a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God forever. We live increasingly as if that's true. We live increasingly as if we are beloved children of God in whom Christ dwells and delights, because we are. We live increasingly as if it's true that we are safe and secure in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God, which is never in trouble, because we are. We live as if it is true That we are enough because God says we are enough. And that we don't have anything to prove to anybody. Because we don't. And we live as if it is true that he is always with us. Because he is. You see, there's a quote from Dallas Willard. He says, we don't believe something by merely saying we believe it. And we don't believe it When we say that we believe it or believe that we believe it, we believe something when we act as if it were true. When we act as if it were true. When we act as if the gospel is true, then we're really believing the gospel. When we act as if we are worth dying for, then we're really believing the gospel. When we act as if every single person that we encounter is worth dying for, we act as if we believe the gospel. And so we should be different. We should be different. Because growing people change. And growing churches change. If if a church is filled with growing people, then eventually that's going to be a growing church. That's just reality. And I have chosen to focus in my prayer and in my preaching and in my ministry on spiritual growth more than anything else. With this idea that as the people of Linwood grow spiritually and grow in God's word and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ, the church is going to grow on its own. And we can come in and we can start tweaking dials and we can pump things up and we can spend a bunch of money on marketing and probably grow the church numerically. But if we're not growing spiritually, then I don't know that we're really accomplishing God's purpose in this world. But as we grow spiritually and as we grow in our relationship with him and as we invite more and more people to come and be a part of what's happening here, then the other growth is going to take place. And growing churches change. Churches with growing people change and growing churches change over time. And so there is change coming and sometimes that's difficult because sometimes we want to resist change. Sometimes we want to to say, well, you know, you can change everything except this. You don't change that or don't change this over here. But things change as people change and as people grow. And churches grow as people within them grow. And so I'm just telling you, be aware that 
change will come as a natural result of people growing and changing. And the church will grow and the church may change. But it'll be good. It'll be good. And so as we think about this idea of being different, go and be different. I was trying to think of a bottom line that would really help us to understand what God's word would be saying as we think about going and being different. And I was, I was talking about this in staff and I had this idea that, that we're called to be set apart. We've talked about that this whole time. But we're also called to be involved. So we're called to be set apart but not set aside. We're called to be set apart from the world, to be different, to be holy, to be more and more like Jesus. But we're not called to be set aside because Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be in the world, not of the world. That we would be in the world, that we would be impacting the world around us, that we would be in the world, not that we would completely withdraw from the world, but not set aside from the world. So how do we, how do we make sure that we're set apart but not set aside? And I want you to imagine for a minute, I want you to picture a steak on a grill, sizzling. And I put a picture on the screen just in case you needed a little bit of help. And I want you to hear it crackling and sizzling. And however you like your steak, you know how you like your steak. Everybody knows how they like their steak. You know when it's right and you know when it's not. But I want you to imagine that steak with no salt, no pepper, no seasoning of any kind. Kind of a buzzkill, isn't it? It's not as exciting anymore, is it? How many of you eat steak with no seasoning whatsoever? Nobody. Right? Because now if I take that steak off the grill and I put it on the, the plate and all the salt is on the side, does that do you any good? Does the salt in a little dish over here do any good to that steak? No. It's got to get mixed in. It's got to get taken in. It's got, to, it's got to work its way in. And you might remember if you were here for the Heavenly Minded and Earthly Good series, we talked about how salt has two major effects. It preserves things. So they used to pack meat in salt before, before it was uh, refrigerated and all that, and it kept it from decaying. And the other was that it brings out the best. It brings out the flavor. That's why you want salt on your steak, because it brings out all the wonderful flavors that are involved in that steak. But it's not any good on the side. So there's a tension that we have to address as followers of Jesus Christ that we would choose and be intentional about being different. The salt is different than the steak. Everybody can agree with that. We have to be different, but we also have to be involved. We can't be so different that we're completely set aside. We have to look for opportunities where we can be an enhancer to the world around us because of our differentness, that we can preserve the world around us because we're different than the world around us. We have to go and be different. We have to go and be salty, but not so different, not so separate that we have no impact on the world at all. Do you see that tension? And it's a pendulum usually that swings, you know, balances that thing that we pass through on the journey from one extreme to another, right? But there's a tension there, and we've got to leverage that tension that we have to be different from our former selves, and we have to be different from non-believers because we bear the name of Christ, but we also have to be in those conversations, be in those situations, be in the world. We can't withdraw from it completely. And so as we seek to, to live out that tension, we have to remember that we're called to be set apart, but not set aside. We're called to be different, 
but not so different that we're completely removed from or withdrawn from the world. So I want to encourage you to give a little bit of time to what does that look like for you this week? What does it look like for you this week to be set apart as a believer in Jesus Christ, but not completely set aside? What does that look like? For some people in the room, it might look like getting focused on being a little more different than the non-believers around you. It might look like being a little different from your former self. Maybe there's something you've said in the last week, well, that's just a part of who I am. And God's whispering in your ear and saying, no, that's a part of who you were. It's not a part of who you are. It's not a part of who I want you to be. And there's some work that can be done, and there's some help that can be received, or there's some study that can be done, or you can call up a friend and just invite them into the process, into praying for you, into holding you accountable. There's all kinds of ways that you can bring transformation into your life if that's what it looks like for you. But maybe, maybe you're different enough, but you're not as engaged. Maybe, maybe it's the second part of the, of the bottom line that, that stuck, stood out to you. That I've, I've kind of been set aside. I've kind of set myself aside. I'm not engaged. I'm not in the game. I'm not, I'm not bringing who I am in Christ into a certain relationship or into a certain environment or circumstance that I find myself in on a regular basis. And maybe that's where God is whispering to you to bring Jesus into the mix, to bring your relationship with Jesus, to be who you are all the time in every environment, to not be Christian Mark in these circumstances and worldly Mark in these circumstances. And I remember wrestling with this. I was saved at a time when I was in a work environment that was very worldly. And I had a certain vocabulary that I used at work that I didn't use when I went to Bible study and vice versa. And I was living these two different lives as Jesus was getting a hold of my heart more and more. And I remember a time when I realized that I couldn't be two people anymore. I had to pick one. And praise God, I picked Jesus. And it's been a process. It's not like I forgot all those words. But I stopped using them so much. And I stopped, I started being different. And I started bringing Jesus into the mix at work more often. And I started choosing more and more who I wanted to be, predeciding how I wanted to be. And this is a work in process. And I am not there 100%. But I can tell you that as we grow in the grace of Jesus Christ, that he transforms us. And as we make decisions and we make commitments and we seek him in new ways, he brings us into a new place with him that where we can be set apart but not set aside, where we can have an impact on the world around us in his name. And so that's my hope and my prayer for you today, whether that's something you do as a parent or a grandparent, as a coworker, as a friend, as a spouse, Is there a relationship where you can impact somebody else's life because of who you are in Christ and because of who he is in your life? I often ask you, what's your next step? What's your next step? And my prayer is that as we answer that question, we would respond in faith to God's word and we would choose to take a step that brings us closer to him.
In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a Next Steps class. And we do this Next Steps class for people that are relatively new to, to Linwood, people who maybe haven't been coming here all that long or are back to Linwood after an extended absence, or, or maybe you've just never taken the Next Steps class. And we talk about the ministries, and we talk about the different ways that you can serve and the different uh, ways that you can get involved, the ways that you can find community. And we talk about things like baptism. And salvation. We're going to be celebrating baptisms in December. And if you've had that nudge in your spirit that I've never been baptized or I've never been baptized as an adult and you want to have a conversation about baptism, I would encourage you to either come to the Next Step class or, or make an appointment to visit with me or with Pastor Zach and we can explain that to you and help you understand what that's all about. But there's some real opportunities to take a next step, to take a step closer, to take a next step with Jesus. And we want to make those available to you, and we want to encourage you to take those. Would you bow with me as we pray today? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word. We are so grateful for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth and with those who, who love you and serve you as well. And we pray, God, that we would be a people who are set apart but not set aside, that we would be a people who seek to do your will in this world to to bring you into the world and to bring others into your kingdom. And so, Lord, as we respond now to your word, as we respond to your spirit, as you've spoken to us, we pray, God, that, that we would respond in faith, that we would take the next step that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.